You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 So, I'm here with Nicholas Clark. Is that your professional name, I would say? Yeah, that's my professional name. What do you do as like a job career? Um, I work as a bass player as much as I can um, with as many different bands as I can play with. Uh, right now I play with the Rogue Citizens. This is uh, one of the bands that I'm founded. And then I also play with City Painted Green, uh, play in my church. Um, wherever else I can find work as a bass player, I do that. And I also substitute in the Indian River School District. Main focus is music. Yes. And goal is music, too. It, did you have a strong influence as that as a kid? or? Yeah, I guess I'd say so. Um, my dad, is he plays acoustic guitar, and he, he always has ever since I was little. Um, and he loves music, too. And he wishes that he would have pursued that. And so, it, I mean, it took me a while to start playing music. I, mean, I was probably maybe in middle school when I started. And that's probably, that's where I get it from, my dad. My grandfather was a musician. Uh, when he was younger, he went off with his twin brother to Philadelphia, and they tried it there. Didn't work out, but... <clears throat> so I definitely have that, that passion in my heart. My uncle's a singer around town. He's been doing that for a long time. He goes to Vegas sometimes and performs, so... That's I mean, that's where I get it from, and that's <clears throat> definitely my passion. And when you picked up the bass guitar, was that the very first instrument you've ever tried, or did you try another one? Like, I know when I first started, my first thing was drums, just because my dad was a drummer. And basically, I was a little kid with ADHD, so hitting that drum set all the time was like the funnest thing in the world, even if it wasn't good music at all. My dad didn't care. He'd be sleeping or something. He'd be like, you can play it while I sleep. It actually helps me relax. And I'm like, okay, so I'm just hitting the crap out of it, just hitting random things, hitting it as hard as I can, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then eventually I tried guitar because I thought that's where the chicks were. thought it was like, I remember saying that at the family dinner table, like, hey, you know, I want to be a guitar player because that's how you get the most chicks. And my dad just <laughs> looked at me and goes, you're so wrong, nope. but okay. <laughs> and then I ended up picking up bass guitar. I remember picking up uh, the melodica for a little bit, which is like a keyboard with a mouthpiece, so you're yeah, blowing yeah. into it. That is difficult just because you have to breathe at the yeah. same time, play notes. And yeah. first, I mean, my whole family is musically talented, except for me. I can, like, if you tell me how to, like, you know, play, I can do it. Like, you remember when right. I was playing piano in the band, and yeah. then we, I had the notes written down onto the keyboard and stuff like that. Yeah. But I just, it wasn't a hobby or talent I can pick up. So right. I, my main question for you is the bass guitar, was that the very first thing that you wanted to pick up and start playing? No, I started playing acoustic guitar like my dad. Um, we had two, he had a 12 string and a six string. So when I started playing, I would just learn the songs that he was doing. And really this was kind of before, it's not before the internet, but before like the internet changed so much of how you can learn music, you know, like. So tabs were just starting to kind of come on a little bit, or at least for me. Well, um, YouTube and all that too. I mean, yeah, you, it was before YouTube, so like you yeah. couldn't you couldn't like just go up and look at how to play a song. So I learned most of my songs from him, and then eventually when I started getting older and YouTube became a thing, um, I learned acoustic songs for that. And a lot of that was like fingerstyle, like uh, Candy Rap Records, like Andy McKee, uh, Antoine Dufour, and a lot of stuff like that. Is you know I really liked playing that kind of stuff, and then. Um, I played with 
a lot of people from my high school, after I graduated high school, um, we would get together and we'd play. And I'd take my acoustic guitar and I could play the songs that I knew really well. But as far as improving and trying to play with someone else, I wasn't familiar enough with music theory and how chords worked and being able to form my own chords anywhere on the guitar because I only knew what I learned. And it just, it just wasn't a very improv friendly instrument for me. So then they, I had a bass there. I was familiar with the bass because we also had one of those that my aunt gave me. I knew a couple songs, but is, bass is a lot easier to get into because you just got to hit the root notes of whatever the chord changes are rather than trying to you know, do the whole entire thing. Um, so I started playing bass like that and then it was a really easy switch for me because everything I was playing was already very rhythmic based. Um, so it was just an easy switch to just go from you know, playing rhythm acoustic guitar to playing the bass and it, it just opened up a lot more for me. Do you find like writing songs or create like your creative process, do you find more of you're able to reach for the words of the lyrics to a song or do you find the notes like being able to think of a beat for a, a, like a song? Because I know like when artists writes a song, it's one thing or the other, they can think of lyrics and then mm -hmm. someone can make a beat to it. Like they have a drummer that can make a beat for that and then they end up flowing. Right. Or you find that you make you can make a beat and then someone kind of has to reach for the lyrics or have you actually right. written lyrics for um I've, I've tried writing lyrics before um i'm not i'm not a very good lyricist it's it's kind of difficult for me if if i do write lyrics it's always the music and the melody comes first and then i try and put words on top of that um maybe sometimes if i like think of a catchy rhythm like it might start in words but it's still it's still a melody and a rhythm first before it's words when you get these creative process going for music, when you like get the ability to really think of a song, mm -hmm. something like creative, new, do you, is it just hits you in that moment and you're like, let me just try something and then you just start going or is it something that you kind of toy with a little bit where you're kind of like plucking a few notes here and there, just trying to, and then you kind of get this like trail or a little like hint of scent yeah. of kind of what it's going to lead to. Cause I mean, there's sometimes I'll be just driving down the road and I'll be looking at all like nature or something and words will just start coming to my head and I'll have to be like, I need to start writing these down. But like yeah. if I found that if I sit somewhere and try and actually think of words to write, it's usually just mumbo jumbo. Right. Um, most of the time, anything that I create musically, it comes from, it's, it first starts from just sitting down and doing something or, and especially because the bass is my main instrument it's difficult to write it's not that it can't be done but it's just it's more difficult for me to write a song in its entirety with just the bass um, because my way of playing the bass really relies on joining the rhythm and the melody of the song so if I don't have the drums behind me then like I can't play off the drums and if I don't have the melody or the the lead guitar or whatever else whatever you know whatever else is substituting the melody, then I don't have that to toy with and try and connect the drums. So it's difficult yeah, to Yeah, without just, a structure. Right, it's difficult for me to do something with that. So most of the time, if I, do, if I am coming up with something, it's when I'm at practice with, you know, whatever, whoever I'm practicing with, and I'm just messing around playing a song I already know, or I'm just running through little exercises, and I just, I stumble on something that I really like, so I work with it a little more, and then, I just change it a little more, change it a little more, until I finally end up with something that I really like.
or it's something that I've already recorded before, maybe we've done as a band, and then I go back and listen to it and I try and fix whatever it was. That and sometimes that other person that's playing with you can add a little something you right. didn't see and then make it different or make it a little bit better. Right. I, I prefer to write music together as a whole because it's it's easier as a collaborative effort. It's a better vibe, too. Yeah. Like when you're writing a song by yourself, it's more just you. So it's like if you try to, you know, create something on your own, yeah, it's going to be fun when it's all finished and done, but that whole process, it's not going to be as fun as if you did it with friends or something where you guys are able to crack jokes, sip a beer, or, you know, just get into a fun little vibe where, you know, you can all just sit there and jam for a couple minutes. Even if it's what you're jamming with is a whole bunch of different notes and it's not making any sense, it eventually can all click down to one thing, and that's, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's, it's, the, it's the energy and being able to feed off of each other that makes the writing of the music so much so much better. Now, do you when you hear a song on the radio or someone asks you the question, what's your favorite type of music or do you like this song, do you hate that song? You don't have a dislike for any songs. I know I find that uh, probably in the past year I came to like a realization of just music in general when someone asks me what's your favorite type of music I don't really have a favorite type of music there's a, a definitely a type I prefer to listen to when it comes to reggae or you know some type of alternative rock that gives me like you know a vibe that I would like to listen to but I see all of it as a creative process that someone took from their mind from the back of their head put it down spent all this time in making you know it's their own passion or their own emotion put into a song and that's a big thing with music when it comes to someone who really enjoys the art of music or the art of just creativity in general. When you see a beautiful painting, like the stuff that's painted up in, you know, um, in Rome and all those places on the top of the roofs and all that. And yeah. you see those beautiful paintings and all those types of things. And you realize that's someone's passion and emotion put into a form of art. And that's what music is, is a giant form of art. So when someone asks me if I dislike a song, no, because that's someone's... Some, it may not be for me, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That wasn't, that's not my slice of pizza, that's right. somebody else's. Right. You know, it's like some people like pineapple on there, some people are against it, all right? Well, that's someone else's pineapple pizza. Right, yeah, um, definitely. And, and as an artist, you know that you can't please everyone. And sometimes it's hard not to take offense if someone doesn't like your music, but that's the reality of it, is you can't write it for everyone. So, you know, you write, you wanna write what speaks to you and then you just hope that you got other people that you can connect with um as far as what's my favorite yeah that's definitely an open-ended question because there's i mean i i like something from all genres i'd probably say my least favorite thing is something that's too poppy like i, I you know i'd like stuff that's sometimes in the top 100s or you know like just what you would consider pop music like it's the probably, rappers that just mumble through their yeah, songs. Yeah, and I'm also yeah, I'm also not crazy about that either. Um, I just think, I feel oh, like it loses a lot of its artistry. Well, I feel of, like a lot of the emotions lost too because it seems so overly produced. They're more about just yeah. making the money. Like they don't really care, you know. Yeah. They just show off a bunch of fancy cars and like, but that's his art too. Yeah. And I think of it like that, but at the same time, it's like when you hear a song like. A country song or something with words or a, just a good old rock song you ever turn on old Aerosmith you know dream on that 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 fire and passion that's why it was a number one hit was right. because that was a voice for that generation and what you have to look at too as 
the music that's going on now that where yeah. you know everyone's like what is this garbage it's like that's just the voice of this generation coming up yeah, and sadly i'm a part of this generation too and you know it sucks but at the same time i definitely feel i i feel like if i was born a little bit earlier would be more my time just because the music and the style of everything that was going on seems now like i'm just everyone asks hey did you hear that new song i don't know even know who that guy is i'm sorry you know i barely know about post malone just about from what people say on facebook the (laughs) last thing i think i remember is gucci Mane when he has the ice cream cone on his face but you know i mean it's it's the same thing with all that those outbreaks with like justin bieber where that artists you know you make so much money at a young age and then you know how hard it is to handle that when you get older yeah and eventually they stop caring like they might have started with their best intentions for music and wanting that passion to grow right then it eventually leads off just because of how money and corruption can lead to you and popularity and fame mm-hmm. it changes imagine i mean just imagine if the rogue citizens became super super popular everybody wants you you guys are aerosmith basically like you know just hall of fame so early that would that might cause some tension this is what makes so many bands break up is having trying to keep not only the same goals like you know future goals but just your same musical goals you know the same musical objectives because in the same token it is you know it is your art you want to create your art you want to create what you're passionate for but at the same time if you can't earn a living doing your art and your art alone, then you've got to do something else on the side, you know, to make ends meet. And it takes away. So, you know, there's a, there's a balance between being able to monetize what you're passionate about and monetize your art and, and not, and, you know, that not happening. And I think that probably drives and breaks apart a lot of bands because, you know, do you... Do you try, especially if anyone that's signed to a record label, because like then you got to start worrying about trying to appease the record label, which they're just trying to make money. So are you going to try and write music that makes money, even if maybe it's not what you're comfortable with? Or are you going to just write what you want and who cares about the rest of it? You know, it's a it's a tough decision that splits, unfortunately, splits a lot of good bands up. You got to think the amount of members in an average band is about what four. You got the drums, yeah. guitar, a trio bass, is and, on the smaller side. But Anything less than a trio is exceptional. <laughs> out of, you got to find all four of those people really have to have the same passion for music rather than yeah. one of them is just going to want the money or fame, you know. And if you're just going in for the fame, that's I mean that's a big part too in a band breaking up because if everyone's views on what they want to do with the music you know one person can put all their time in the band because they want that's their passion that's their hobby another person can just be putting their time in the band because they just want to get chicks or get laid and that's i think that's a another factor in just what makes bands break up just because when they finally get there and they think oh i could just solo off or i could do you know not really care so much about the music like, hey you're missing practice that's a big thing. Yeah. You have to practice. It's not just for the sanctity of, you know, your music skill staying the same level and being able to, you know, keep up with what the band's been up to. But at the same time, it's that connection between you and the, your bandmates. They're your friends. Yeah, They're is. practically your family. Like when you really, really think about it, I know it sounds corny, but they are your family, basically. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. as corny as it sounds, it, it's true. If you have tension in the band between members, there's it's going to be obvious, not yeah. just for you guys, but it's going to be obvious for. It's going to manifest itself through your music and your performances. You know, it, I mean, there's definitely you could be 
the kind of person that writes their music and then you just hire someone to play it for you, you know, like just go in and you hire studio musicians and sure that's an option, but as far as like trying to be a band that wants to be a performance oriented type of act, you know, you got to be able to play with your teammates. You know, it's just like a, like professional sports. You guys got to get along. If you don't get along, you don't perform well. Yeah, if you look at the Red Hot Chili Peppers, you see Flea and then you see Chad Davis up there. There's an obvious connection and flow between those two because of how they can play off each other. Just because the bass and drums are so connected into a song. Yeah. I mean, they're practically the rhythm. The drums can play off the bass. The bass can play off the drums. Usually they just sync real well. But then if you notice Anthony Kiedis who's singing or when John Frushanti was in the band, mm -hmm. there was an obvious connection between those two, but then it, it seemed a little like Anthony Kiedis wasn't really into what Chad was into. And that's just based on their personalities too. Anthony yeah. Kiedis being a very trippy, trying to religious type person, and Ed Smith being more, you know, not really religious, more about like, you know, just the art of music and the right. power of the drums and stuff like that. Yeah. From what I've seen in documentaries and stuff, there's just an, the obvious tension there. and you guys play on stage I see the connection I see everyone really working together and yeah there's been different members of the group but it, with you and like my brother playing you know guitar and singing there's like there's a connection there and I'm, there's probably been tension a little bit at times but just seeing like your passion for playing bass up there I mean you have these long 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 ass dreads and when you're hitting the bass you're Dreads are flying all over the place. They're hitting the bass too. <laughs> yeah, they get and in the way. That's for sure. That I find that's cool, man. Just because we, when I hear you, like when you slap, you play a little bit different than I think um, the stereotypical bass player plays. Just because you have the bass a little, sitting a little bit more higher up, mm -hmm. and you have more like like you're holding a rifle, like a, yeah. like like a soldier type thing. When a lot of people really have their like trying to get it low, arms hanging down low and their back kind of hunched over and stuff like that. You're more like playing it up to the top of your chest, which I think is pretty cool. And that's your style. Yeah. But I, I think that's a good thing about bands too, is everyone, if you, if you pick any band, you can find a certain member where you're like, that's my favorite member. I like right. him the best because it's just that style, that performance that it's the same thing when you're watching a movie and you see an actor that you really start to like. It's yeah. like, that's, I like that's his style, his, his, yeah, his yeah. personality. And I think that's a good thing too. So, I mean, what would you call that would be stage presence, I guess, right? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's, I mean, you can throw it under the stage presence category. Um, you know, everyone's passion manifests itself in different ways. You know, some people, they start playing and they might get hyper, you know, like like jumping around. Like Flea. And, yeah. And then some people, you know, like um, David Gilmore from Pink Floyd, he's not going to do a whole bunch of jump around on stage, but that doesn't, you can still see how his passion might manifest in a different way. You know, you might close your eyes and, you know, release yourself in the music in a different way. So it's just, you know, there's different cups of teas for different people. You know, everyone, everyone kind of approaches it a little bit different. Are you excited about the fame that you guys have been, like, when you turn on the radio and you guys hear yourself on the radio, like, a song, does that give you, like, a big smile? It does. Um, it's encouraging to, to hear that. It's encouraging when someone comes up and says how much they like your music, especially if it's something that we wrote. Um, just the other day, we started practicing at my house. My neighbor from across the street came over while we were practicing and was just like, I heard you guys practicing the other day. And I wanted to come over. I didn't feel like I could, but I came over today and I just wanted to tell you guys that I really like your music. And um, 
he wanted to hang out and you know just listen to us play for a while and you know, stuff like first that. Roadie. Yeah, stuff like that is, uh, you know, that's what you want to hear because then you f- then you feel like you're doing something. You, you feel like people are listening and you know and that's kind of what you want. You really, I, I mean, everyone ob- obviously wants their stuff to be liked. Nobody wants to be hated. Yeah. But it's definitely like I didn't play with you guys for very long. But when the one time we played on the radio, and then I heard that, and I had the recording, and you know, first thing I did, I put it on social media. I was like, "Yo, check out this shit I just did." You know what I mean? Like it was a big thing, and that's the one thing I really enjoyed. But like I was saying, when it comes to the art of music, and the and it comes to the art of just wanting to be famous or something like that, mine falls more into the lines of wanting just to be. I want to be recognized. Yeah, I want to be seen. I mean, that's a selfish thing on my part, but that's, I just don't want to be forgotten, like left on this world with nothing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I always try my best when I go out in public to be a positive person, you know, um, help people out when they need it. And, you know, just always kind of have a smile on my face. Even if I see something stupid or random where you're like, why did they say that? And then later you laugh just because you thought of that. That makes my day. And that's what I believe a big thing with musicians and just positivity in music when is just trying to leave, you know, we all know that one song or we all have that one song where it's you're driving down the road and it comes on, you blast that radio, you turn it up to as high as it'll go, roll those windows down <laughs> yeah. and just start screaming. And this is what yeah. I call like a, um, a lot of people call it an epiphany. I call it like a transcendental moment where it's like everything becomes clear and it seems like everything that's happened in the past couple months where life has just gone by shit. As it just has this one, like this one song, just it, it, it erases all of it. That mm-hmm. whole week that you had, you know, if your boss was yelling at you or something like that, it all just goes away because just that one song comes on and, you know, the weather's right, everything clicks and you're like, yeah, this is what this shit's about. Yeah. Like, have you ever had an exact moment that you can remember where, where like you've just been like, yeah, this is what life's about? Like, um, true. That's a good question. It is a good question. Um, I might not be able to pick out an exact moment that uh, something came up, like kind of. It doesn't by just accident happen once; like it happens multiple times. Yeah, I gotta say that if I'm if I'm in a frustrated mood, or you know, I'm feeling a little bit down on something, or you know, I'm not firing all cylinders. I've got there's a couple of artists that I like to put on that really help forget. Like I, Bob Marley's definitely one of them. If I'm feeling frustrated or angry. You know, I, I try and put Bob Marley on, and that's a that's a good easy way for me to start turning my day around into something more positive. Or sometimes, if I really feel like being angry, and you know, I kind of want to release it, I definitely put you know something a lot harder on. Rage, rage, tool, um, you know, stuff like that. Disturbed. You know, sometimes you want to get that out too. Um, there's different music for different situations for me. That's that's what I mean about music and emotion, like. You know, if you're having a rough day, you know, you're sad, and then you turn on some Buffalo Soldier or something by Bob Marley, and you stick your hand to the speaker and feel the beats come through, and then you're just sitting there kind of vibing in the room, it sets off the whole tone. It can just set you in the right mood, set you back on track. Or if you feel like listening to something like that, listen to like Disturbed or Linkin Park that gets you into that, like, yeah. so you can connect with the artist as well. And then there's those people that get like, you know, UFC fighters before they go out into a fight blasting some like here comes the boom or something or some yeah. metallica or something just to get you pumped up get that anger going like before a boxing match you yeah. know and that's that's the cool thing i think that an artist can express 
is the emotion through a song, especially, and I know we've said this multiple times in this podcast, but it's like yeah. just the emotion with music is ridiculous. And the fact that someone's creative mind process could reach that to you from their head, like that, that image came from them and is, they're projecting it onto you and you can feel that. And that emotion mm-hmm. in your body and your brain can reflect that and make it into reality where it affects how your day is going to go throughout the rest of the day. Yeah. That's yeah, amazing. Well, what makes music so um, successful is, and, and it helps make you, the music that you write be, you know, successful, either monetary wise or you know just maybe hitting your goals of people wanting to listen to you. But how relatable is your music to their life? You know, can they can they listen to what you're doing? Can they relate to it? Can they apply it to what you know what their day has been or what their life experiences are? How much crossover do you have between your life experiences and what you're singing about and theirs? Um, I mean, that's what that's what what makes yeah that's what makes music so powerful. Um, it also makes plays and any story like a type of book. If you read a book, I'm mean, not saying like Percy Jackson, like oh, I'm gonna jump off a mountain and catch lightning with my hand or something like that, but like something where it, you can relate to a little bit of it. Like I've been, I just finished a literature class, uh, studies and drama, and all the plays you're reading were like Greek tragedies and like Romeo and Juliet and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That's relatable stuff though, because yeah. it, when it comes to a story about money and it comes to greed, there's a like one called A Raisin in the Sun, where it's about a young African American family that um, gets a ch- insurance check money, and they're all the family's fighting over what to do with the money, how the, everyone wants to spend it in their own goals and views and whatever type of way. That's a relatable thing. Yeah, you know, money causes tension anywhere. Yeah, especially when someone has their own personal goals and what they want to do with that money, and th- that's that's a big a big factor um, for any t- anything is just being able to connect to the audience, and if you can get like relate to their experiences then you can physically and emotionally affect them and that's beautiful yeah and i mean i definitely wish i had the artistic talent to be a good musician i mean i I've definitely if i had the time and effort but it's just not in my wheelhouse yeah. if you feel me and i'm i'm so proud of you guys just for i mean you guys are playing with some big bands coming up you had their what method man yeah. On the one yeah. playlist that's coming yeah, that up. Was, that's got to be exciting. Frozen Harbor, I'm definitely excited to play with uh, Method Man and Red Man, yeah. Just that whole thing. You guys got, it's what, five stages? It's, Ooh, uh, it's like 150 I, bands playing. Yeah, they have, they have a ton of artists playing. I, if I understand it correctly, it's kind of spread out a little bit over... I'm not really sure which... I mean, it's near the harbor in Baltimore, but I think there's conglomerate of different stages and different bars that hosts you know however many bands you know they can they can fit in there that night you know that you just roll through um yeah frozen harbor i I think if i understand it correctly that's how they do it but so yeah that's definitely so we we've talked about your passion for music now the substitute teacher thing now you're going to be a substitute band teacher oh that's my dad wants me to do it you know i i like kids um, I worked at the Boys and Girls Club for a while, um, and so like you definitely, it, it's hard not to get a connection with kids. And for people that don't know who, what the Boys and Club is, or Boys yeah. and Girls Club. Okay, so I worked at the Boys and Girls Club in Delaware, which actually operates, it's the only state where the Boys and Girls Club operates differently than the rest of the country. Um, it's more of a, 
of a daycare that is like an educational daycare. Like most boys and girls clubs are, you can drop your kids off any time of day and they basically just play sports all day long and they get along and then they get picked up whenever. But the Boys and Girls Club of Delaware is, it's a summer program where, you know, it's structured teaching, um, sports, and you do like, it's, I mean, it's basically like a summer school in the summer. And then during the winter, it's you, the kids come there right after school and their parents end up picking them up whatever time they can. Um, and it's you help them with their homework and it's more of a it's more of like an after school daycare kind of thing there. So, I mean, you get kids from all different types of walks of life there. Um, and so you, you definitely you definitely grow a connection with them. And it's frustrating working with kids, too, especially because. You know, I'm not a parent, so it's kind of difficult for me to, have, like, because you know they become your kids, and you feel like you're responsible for them, and you not not you're not necessarily responsible to raise them, but you impact them. So you want to be able to feel like you're doing the best you can, and I don't have any practice doing that. So you do the best you can with what you're given, and you kind of hope for the best. You have an insane amount of patience, though. I mean, just knowing you, yeah. You have a but I tell you what, they will there run are some you of thin. those little kids you want. You just want to toss <laughs> oh, yes, in a hot car for a couple uh, minutes. You, they will pluck your nerves, and that's they will what, keep I've, plucking them and keep plucking them. And sometimes you just gotta like, you just gotta walk away, or someone's gotta come get you, come help you because you don't want to get in trouble for doing what you feel like you I don't want to do. see you on the news. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to end up on the news either. Boys and Girls Club goes bad. Yeah. But it's funny because I have a couple friends that are, they're my age, but they're like either dating someone that has a kid or they're about to have a kid. Mm-hmm. And it's like, holy crap, you're so young. And the one thing I'm asking them what they're doing is like, I'm going to school to be a teacher. I know these guys really, really well. And let me tell you, if the people or any school district knew what they used to do back in the day, they would not be be a teacher. teacher. (laughs) But it's so crazy to see their turnaround because I've known them when we used to be in stores and see the little kids like throwing temper tantrums and we're just sitting there like, this little shit, like, you know, like... like, that's not going to be my kid. Yeah, that's not going to be my kid. Like, I remember back in the day, you know, I, I I had the, like, childhood, I mean... It wasn't bad at all, but you know, like I knew not to act out in a store. Yeah. When I did, I was getting, I was getting a yeah, punishment. Yeah. But that you can't do that now, especially with parents. It's like everybody's got to like they just sit there and let the kid cry. Oh, he's going to do this. I don't believe that's right. I mean, I believe teachers get paid way too little, uh, I definitely especially when that. it comes to supplies and everything. They don't even have enough stuff to supply their rooms. Yeah, and uh, as a teacher. They have to supply their own rooms, and then the kids don't even take the class. I never took high school. I never took any of the grade school stuff, seriously. It wasn't until yeah. I got into college when I was like, all right, this is the real thing. You know, if I'm going to get something done in the world, yeah, I kind of have to do That's a maturity thing that happens. You know, it, when you're young, education, Some, I mean, not for everyone, but sometimes education is, especially here in America, it's, it's kind of forced. You know, even if it's not quality education, it's still forced education, so... It's hard to appreciate something that you're forced it's, into, and you're so young, you know, you don't understand the implications of, you know, what's really happening. Even going through high school, you know, a good majority of the kids don't really understand what kind of impact it's going to have on their future. It's not until you get to the point where it's time to go to college and you got to start making hard decisions about the rest of your life that you really weren't prepared for that you start realizing how important education can be and how much what it can do or can't do in your life. I mean, 
other countries take so much more time and effort into educating their people. And when we look at America, there's great yeah. things about it and there's bad things about it. I definitely think our worst things about it is the educational system just because of it seems like we're just we're, we're honestly this country's filled with a little bit of dummies just because mm -hmm. everyone just seems like I'm just going to get a job at a yeah. high school and it's under work. it's underfunded and it's lazy and it's like in China or somewhere their main thing is you know the main stereotype is Asian people are smart and that's not that's not fake that's real yeah, because of how much stereotype. they put into their education you know yeah. school's a strict thing down there you have to go you have to get good grades it's that type of thing and yeah it doesn't seem like it's very um free and open when it comes to what they want to do personally yeah but it's it definitely shows difference in how america and then another country takes it so seriously when we're just it seems like we're creating drones that just want to work all the time that's the main thing when i get out of school i, was like, I don't need to take school seriously i can just work two jobs hell no man as soon as i graduated took a year off i was like i need to go to school i need to get a better job i'm not going to work myself to death yeah and that's the main thing that happens around here. You see all these people sacrificing so much and earning so little. Just they're, they're never home. They never get to enjoy it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just because of, first of all, the economy's crap. Same thing with, like I was saying about teachers. That pay, they don't get paid enough for what they're doing. They're educating yeah. the minds of our kids. They're not going to want to teach if they're not getting paid. It's, no kid's yeah, going to take yeah. school seriously. We're going to keep having dumb people grow up if we don't have teachers that can actually benefit these kids. I've had three teachers in my almost, what, 18 years of schooling. I've had three teachers that have actually stuck in my mind like, holy crap, you really changed my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. One is my fourth grade teacher, my third grade teacher, and my 11th grade teacher. They all said, Robbie, you're smart. And they sat me down and had a straight talk to talk with me before the teacher would always just send me out of the, out of the room. Yeah. That wasn't their fault, but I had a really bad ADHD. And a lot of these teachers are not prepared for it. Yeah. And to be 100% honest, when I was a little kid, my mom and um, dad were talked to by the principal and trying to get me into a special school class mm -hmm. because they thought I was mentally challenged. I wasn't at all. I just can't sit still. Yeah. And, you know, even though you talk to me sometimes, you're like, I can see where they would think you're mentally challenged just because of the stupid stuff I say. But I'm, I'm pretty smart when I'm interested into a topic, when yeah. I get into conversation and when I find myself talking. That, that was the main thing that clicked, uh, that I was so happy I discovered at the age of 20 is that everyone has a story and that story that can be told or heard from everybody. And they all have something where you're like, whoa, I did not know that about you. You, you never took the time to ask. Yeah. And when I start talking and start flowing and having these good conversations, that's the main reason why I wanted a podcast with you. I talk to you sometimes, like when I see you hanging out with my brother or something, but it's like, you're a good dude, and you, you mean you seem to me to be like pretty interesting just because you, from the little talks, even though you don't really talk a whole lot, but from what you've told me, I was like, shit, Nick's a pretty cool guy. Yeah, and I appreciate that. No problem. And I definitely think if you were a teacher, um, when it comes to the art, I definitely think you would just care more for the kids. And that's definitely something we need to get out there. And I'm starting to see that now with 20 year olds like my age 
that are coming up and trying to be teachers. They see what went wrong when they were trying to be raised in school yeah. and the teacher's not caring. Want to try and fix but it. I believe that's how they all started. Every yeah. teacher started out caring so much and then after years of you know, bills and just the world ended up like, it changes people. You yeah. see, if you look at a person my age and look at a person who's on their way out the door, there's a big difference and it's a big toll on them. And it doesn't matter if they're 100, doesn't matter if they're 70, they're ready to go. And that's only because of the fact that it, this world's not, you know, it's not sunshine and lollipops. It's not Santa Claus when you're a little kid, you know. And then when you start finding out the world is eventually crap, you just got to look to the beauty of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got to not focus so much on the political aspects. Like, people get so wrapped up in it. And that, that first step, you know, is affecting the minds of those kids that are coming up. Because if you grow up and you teach a kid yeah. hate and you teach a kid that life isn't crap, this, this school's not worth anything, they're going to grow up thinking that and they're going to keep teaching the kids below them that. Yeah. And their kids are going to be like that. Their kids are going to be assholes. It's all going to be like that. Yeah. And I believe if when you get into your... Do you want to teach your own class or you just want to sub all the time? Mm, I like... I Well, I, right now I like substituting because I get... To, I get control over my schedule. It's nice. Um, the teaching, I like. I could do teaching if it was like a tutor. Like you get like one person at a time. Because when you start trying to manage a class, especially because when I was at the boys and girls club, I did um, second grade and third grade, uh, fourth grade. You know, like you try to manage 14, 15, 16 you know, kids that are that age and it's difficult especially when you got a handful of them who you know from the families that they come from the situations that they're from the way that they act you know they're not they're not trying to they're not doing you any favors you know by with with, with what they do so it's just it's difficult to manage that many that many young kids that don't want to cooperate and for someone who's not you know, not not been trained on how to deal with stuff like that. Or, you know, some kids need medication um, and some kids don't. And, and what happens when the kid that needs medication is not on it, you know, then it takes all your focus and energy just to try and keep that one kid on task and not to, you know, potentially hurt someone else. You know, they're just... You know, well, the idea they're that... Do, they're just doing too much. The idea that one person can teach a class of 20 to 30 kids is ridiculous. Yeah, Every kid is going to need more individual time than yeah. another one. And that's, I believe, is a big flaw in just the size of classrooms. I was in a class of 35 kids one time, and that teacher did not know what to do. You have to have a special kind of teacher to deal with something like that. Yeah, and even then, I think the class limit should be absolutely. 10. You know. Even having 10 is a lot for one person. To get the individual requirements each student needs, there's gonna be a kid that's not gonna be able to read as fast. I remember I could read super, super fast. There's a guy who's getting better grades than me, able to do worksheets and tests faster than me, but he can't read a page of a book in 30 minutes. It took him forever. He would sit there and stutter on the words. Yeah. I didn't feel bad for him. It was just the fact that I obviously was at a higher reading level. So you got all these kids reading past him. He's all stuck behind. He has to go home and put an extra two hours to even do that. What kid is going to do that? Yeah. What kid is going to, at least back in the day, stay in, or stay inside, read a Harry Potter book 
um, just to get one chapter done for an extra three hours when they could watch a movie or go play with friends. Yeah. It's not going to happen. The idea of homework is ridiculous. No, none of those kids do it at home. I mean, maybe the, the book smart, pet smart, you know, the ones that want to be the apple on the teacher's desk type kids, but most of them do it on the bus on the way to school or do it waiting in the hallway for school to start. And that's just the fact that homework I don't think should be mandatory. I think it should be an option if someone wants to go home and further their education towards right. it. But if a kid's not enjoying that class, do you think he's going to take that homework seriously? And then giving him an F when he comes in without the paper or none of it due, just thinking that he's going to he's going to have to do it, he's going to get a bad grade, that doesn't boost their motivation at all. And I, that's another flaw in our school system. I mean, I don't want to sit here and point out all the flaws in it, but... Like you said, music is your passion, and obviously if you want to be a famous musician over a teacher, I'm pretty sure you do. Yeah. But at the same time, imagine if you are in a famous band like Metallica or something, and you're also, that's your teacher. That would be, that'd be sick, man. I'd be in your class for <laughs> sure. It's weird to see all these artists out there that have a passion like that, that want to teach or want to do something. I mean, Mick Jagger, that does his passion wood making and stuff like that a lot of people don't know that but he likes to wood make like sculptures and mm -hmm. stuff that's he prefers that over saying like he still likes music and all but he likes to do that like that's something he would make as a career that's crazy yeah. and it's to think it's like oh i always just thought your whole life was music no they have other passions too yeah. but just their music is their main influence yeah. and it's crazy to see that i mean can you imagine going and getting like a a souvenir from like a wood store or something and knowing Mick Jagger sitting back like what's up like it'd holy make, crap you work here yeah it'd make it it'd make it worth more money <laughs> exactly and I, I like I said I mean I definitely found a passion with podcasting I'm trying to get into it as much as possible it's definitely hard to set up uh, a lot of people are like what's a podcast or something like that I'm like yeah. you gotta listen it's not to the level where I want it to be eventually I want it to have you know video quality and stuff like that but I like interviewing people I like yeah. having these conversations you know, with it just the people that I've met through my life. And there's been so many of them, and that's why I definitely try and be positive throughout the day because I really want to focus on creating better relationships with people where I can actually, hey, you want to shoot my podcast later? Yeah, 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 yeah for sure, man. I remember when I asked you, usually when I ask somebody, it's like, oh, I don't know, man, maybe. And it's like, really? It's like, I just want to have a conversation with you. They don't really understand it. And then yeah. once they get here and they start kind of talking, they start, you know, they open up. Even though the first minutes are kind of rough, like it's just like, how are you doing? What's your name? Can you state it for the record and all that? But, yeah. you know, it gets, we get into this flow where we end up talking for so long and, you know, just hitting some key things. I mean, I learned a little bit today about just your idea for music. I mean, it's good to see that someone actually enjoys the emotion for music and not just out there to get the women. Yeah. Well, well you, can't, you can't be in it for stuff that's not guaranteed to you because you'll be disappointed. You can't, you can't try and get into music for the money because you're not always going to get it. I mean, there's a small percentage of superstars or rock stars that actually make it. Yeah. And the fact that a lot of these people that go out there, I mean, sell everything they have, their shirt on their back, take all these trips, are basically broke living on the street playing music, just trying yeah. to get out there, and they never make it. And But you know, that passion drives them, and I believe that's a big thing that drives all of us. I believe that every step you take should be towards your goal or what you want to do, not a step back from it. You know, a lot of people bail out because, oh, that's too hard. Let me just get a safe job and do all that. You can do that, but don't lose your passion. Don't lose your hope because when you get older, what's going to happen when that's when – that's, it's on your mind constantly. It's never going to go away. It's not – you can bury it deep down. You might forget about it, but it's always there.
Yeah. And towards the end of your life, you're going to be like, damn, I should have chased after that. And that's definitely something I want to not not to happen in my life. I want to have that hope and passion always still there. And I want to be able to go towards my goal and achieve it one day. And I hope you do too. Yeah, and I hope that the Rogue Citizens, I mean, I've listened to a couple of your guys' songs. Savior was the one that I Savior. started. Savior. Yeah. Um, that one, that was the one you created. Like yeah. the, 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 at least riff too. Yeah. And I mean, that inspiration of that, I mean, hearing that, that's a good song too. Those three songs on there are amazing. I mean, the, the, I know you guys probably have more, but those are the only three songs I've heard. Yeah, well, those are the only three that anyone could find. RogueCitizens.com, everybody, check it out. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's just that, that hearing that and then, you know, knowing that someone can listen to that, and at least you know I like it. So, yeah. I mean, that's definitely got to put a smile on your it face does, for sure. Yeah. yeah, and it's definitely nice to hear it on the radio or, or have the chance to try and, you know, get it out to a, a wider audience of people. You know, that's, that's what it's about. I definitely appreciate just the art of what you are trying to accomplish in life. And if you had to say one thing to somebody out there who's chasing their dreams, what would you tell them? I'd say what my uncle told me, because um, he's also a musician, and you know, me and him have conversations about it whenever we see each other all the time. But you know, if that's your passion, then you're not going to be satisfied doing anything else. And there can't be a plan B or, you know, the next option down because if it doesn't work out, then you're just going to go to your default option that's safer. So if you're passionate about it, you're not going to be happen, happy doing anything else. And you really don't want a plan B because, you know, that's, you, chances are you're probably the default to that. So you want to try and stick to with what your passion is. I agree 100%, man. And thanks for being on the podcast and taking the time to come down here just to express that. And let me ask my little stupid questions. I appreciate it. <laughs> That's Nick good Clark, questions. everybody. And uh, stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks. Coming up next is the song Savior by the Rogue Citizens, and the link will be in the description. Mm-hmm.